Welcome to The Money Spot, the place where we answer your money questions. I'm your host, Heather Katsonka Woodward, and in this week's episode, we are going to go through seven things that hold black children back from succeeding before the age of 18. Enjoy. I thought it would be fitting to end the 2020 series of The Money Spot podcast with a series on the economics of being black. It's a two-part series, and the issue I would like to explore first is a list of the things that could hold a child back before they're even 18, if you're black. Where possible, I will depend on UK studies and statistics, but if that's not possible, reference will be made to US studies where much more research on race tends to be available. So the first thing is name. Having a name that is perceived as different may be a factor that exacerbates a black child's feeling of otherness, of being different to the mainstream. In the worst case, it may lead to teasing or just feeling discomfort and insecurity with what might seem like innocent questions from teachers like, how do you say your name? I'll talk more about names in my piece about what holds black adults back. But personally, our desire for our children not to be discriminated against in mainstream British society and education specifically was a key consideration in name selection. We want them to blend to the extent possible and didn't feel that name was an issue they should need to deal with in addition to everything else that they will probably be dealing with. The second issue is hair. Is there an issue more contentious? My son noticed the difference in his hair before he mentioned that his color was different to that of everyone else in his class. There are many anecdotal examples of black children being treated in an unfair way at school on account of their hair. For example, being told that they can't wear their hair in styles that are completely normal and more convenient for black kids or comments about their natural hair being wild or unsuitable, or even having their hair cut or inappropriately handled by teachers, that sort of thing. But while a name and hair, in addition to skin color, may add to a feeling of being different, there are real and recent statistics from the Social Market Foundation and other research organizations to show that black children are discriminated against at higher rates. The third thing is the perception of being threatening, a perception that seems to haunt us black people. There is a perception, and a stereotype by the way, of being threatening which especially haunts black boys. In studies, black boys as young as five years old have been perceived as more threatening compared to similar aged white boys, which is a startling and scary fact. This has been elicited with tests of association of faces and objects like guns or puppies, rather than by asking directly. So this is sort of unconsciously perceiving black boys as being threatening. And whereas being tall and dark would give a white boy advantages with perceptions of stature, strength and athleticism, for a black boy, the exact same tallness and darkness may may only serve to make them appear more threatening. And with that, all the disadvantages, more regular police stop and searches and fewer opportunities. 
this sentiment on stature being tall and dark is my own rather than from elsewhere. But it's it's something that's recently occurred to me as as a risk. Um, I was talking to a, a white man who was tall, dark and handsome. And I was thinking, would would this perception of tall, dark and handsome lead to the same advantages for a black boy? I'm not sure that it would. Four is a biggie. At school and in class discrimination. The Social Market Foundation reports that discrimination in education frequently takes place outside of the syllabus. There are a range of institutional practices that underpin black students' exclusion and ultimately their educational attainment. And these were some of the examples given. Punishment in UK schools disproportionately affects black children. Black students have reported facing disciplinary action for their uniform because of stereotypical perceptions that they are more disruptive or even because of their hair. The hair thing I just wrote about before I even found the Social Market Foundation report. And this finding is consistent with US research that shows that black children are frequently punished for behaviors which, when displayed by white children, are not at all punished. Cuba Shan Baptiste, a reporter, reports in The Independent that at school, her confidence would often be interpreted as arrogance, rudeness, or just plain naughtiness. She says it took her a while to accept, especially when she saw her white classmates rewarded for the same behavior. And children, even very young ones, notice. My friend's mixed-race daughter is in the first half-term of reception, and she's already been yellow-carded three times. She's received three yellow cards, and in the latest instance, she observed that her white friend, who was doing exactly what she was doing, at the same time, didn't get a yellow card. That must be discouraging and will probably stay in her mind for a while. The Social Market Foundation also finds that black Caribbean kids are almost three times more likely and mixed white and black Caribbean kids 2.5 times more likely to be permanently excluded from school than white pupils. This data is supported by various reports and it's thought that racist stereotyping of black children may play a key role here. I don't even know why they're hypothesizing that it may. I'm sure it does play a role. There is a lack of black teachers in schools, especially amongst senior staff. I find the general lack of black teachers at my children's private school problematic. There are very few non-white teachers, and I fear this may accentuate the belief among children, and children are tomorrow's leaders, that a figure of authority is meant to be white. And the last finding by the SMF is that black children have their abilities and grades undervalued. This is one of the reasons why during the COVID-19 pandemic, people spoke against schools grading pupils and those being their final GCSE or A-level results. Black students were going to pay for that because they were going to be told that they were going to get grades lower than what they could have achieved. So unfortunate as it is, Black children, especially black boys, face discrimination at much higher rates at school. I haven't found any research to back it up, but a friend who works in the field told me that some recent studies suggest that black boys are ahead of all other ethnic groups on entering school, but within a year, they are behind others because of the poor engagement that they receive in schools. This is telling me that black parents are investing in their children's education and development before they go to school 
then they're sort of handed over to school and everything's eroded. The fifth thing that could hold black kids back is low expectations. Akala, in his autobiographical Natives, Race and Class in the Ruins of Empire, recounts how he was a gifted child, highly intelligent with a GCSE reading age by the time he was seven, and yet he was placed in a class with children with learning difficulties. It took his white mother advocating for him and speaking up for this to change. And in her time on Desert Island Discs, Sunita Alayan, the first black master of a Cambridge college, admits that exactly the same thing happened to her when she arrived from Barbados as a young child. Placed in the special needs class, her mum walked into school and explained that her daughter's accent wasn't a sign or symptom of being stupid. It was just the way she spoke. And that situation was erected. The most frustrating thing about these examples is that similar things are definitely happening to many black children today and they don't have an advocate. What of those children that reveal they want to be a doctor, lawyer or astronaut that are told to be realistic and guided towards nursing, hairdressing, plumbing and other manual jobs? Or towards sports and more artistic jobs like music? Yes, there are more examples of black people succeeding in these fields, but this is simply because you can't pretend the boy or girl who came first in the 200 meter sprint actually didn't. If nurtured correctly, there is nothing to stop black children excelling in any and every field. Further, many black children up and down Britain simply assume it's stupid or unrealistic for them to aim for Oxford and Cambridge, and there is no one there telling them otherwise. Conversely, the majority or a large proportion of those in private school assume it's a given that they're expected to apply to the top universities. Not long ago, women had many of the same challenges. In her time on Desert Island Discs, retired surgeon Avril Mansfield, born in 1937, says her mum told her to lie she wanted to be a nurse rather than admit she wanted to be a doctor to avoid the mockery. Any girl can say they want to be a doctor today and no one would bat an eyelid. And that is the position I would love all disadvantaged children and black children specifically to get to. The sixth thing holding black children back is poverty. People can live in a vicious cycle of poverty from which they struggle to escape. So what proportion of black children are living in poverty in Britain today? The Social Metrics Commission found that almost half of people living in a family in the UK where the head of the household is black are in poverty. This compares with 19% or about a fifth for white people. This means black-headed households in the UK are two and a half times more likely to live in poverty than their white counterparts. Poverty comes with many disadvantages that you can probably list yourself. A few that are commonly discussed in the press include A. Tr trouble providing children with a nutritious diet, which may affect a child's ability to learn well. B. An inability to pay for extracurricular activities that other kids have an opportunity to access, for example, learning an instrument, learning various sports, including swimming, getting coached for the 11 plus so you can get into a grammar school, no access to the stimulating environment of a nursery in the formative years. Possibly insecure housing, which may mean children move around schools, leading to instability in their education. 
These are example economic factors, but poverty, of course, also has negative social consequences. Living in an economically deprived area may mean increased exposure to crime, etc. According to research by the University of Manchester, a fifth of black African, black Caribbean and Arab populations live in the country's most deprived neighborhoods compared to 8% of the white British population. That's almost 20% versus 8%. I will tackle social mobility in my next installment of Black Economics. For now, it's enough to know that many more black children than white children are living in poverty and therefore don't have access to opportunities taken for granted by middle class and more well-off children. Finally, seven is the single parent home. This might be quite contentious, and in addition, the data I'm about to share is old, it's from 2007, but is unlikely to have changed much, so I will use it. According to a Metro article from 2007, 48%, almost half, of Black Caribbean families have one parent, as do 36%, a third of Black African households. This figure is 10% for Indians and marginally higher for those of other South Asian backgrounds, 15% for the Chinese, and 22% or a fifth for whites. 90% of single-parent families are headed by mothers, and children who grow up without their biological father are more likely to be unemployed, commit crime, and leave education early, according to research by think tank Civitas. They're also twice as likely to be homeless. Lone parent families are three times more likely to live in a, in a rented accommodation than couples with children and are also more likely to live in homes that fall below minimum standards. I don't want to stereotype the single parent with lots of dreary statistics, but suffice it to say that having to manage as a single parent, according to the data, tends to exacerbate poverty, which stands to reason because one person equals fewer resources, including services like washing and cooking, etc., rather than financial resources. It may also mean the child has less access to parental support for homework and possibly other emotional needs. If you manage to get a grandparent or aunt or uncle living with you, this obviously is not a problem. However, in summary, before a black child is even a teenager, they may face major challenges with their development because they are more likely to be poor, more likely to live in a single-parent home, more likely to be punished or discriminated against by teachers, less likely to be pushed towards the highest paid careers because teachers and their social circle have low expectations for them. And if that were not enough, black children are more likely to be bullied, teased and targeted in other ways because of their name, hair and an erroneous perception that they are threatening. If all school teachers could treat all children like they're special and going places, regardless of race, so much progress could be made in erasing educational inequalities between the races and over the long run, erasing wealth inequality. And I give a special thanks to all those teachers that do do this. Thank you. You are helping to make Great Britain better. If you would like to link through to some of the resources I found for this piece, please look in the description uh, and the notes for this episode and you'll find a hyperlink to the related resource. Thank you.
Thanks so much for listening. If you want to ask me a personal finance question, please type themoneyspot.co.uk into your address bar and you'll be redirected to the exact page on my website where you can ask a question. There are three things I would love you to do. Why don't you have a look at my ebooks or courses? My property course is the top rated UK course on Udemy for people who want to begin to invest in property. My notes to debt freedom give you an A to Z guide on how you can go from debt to zero debt. And finally, my workbook B School for Money Wise Wealth Bound Kids will be a fun book that you and your kid can go through together to start teaching them all the common sense things they need to know about money so that they never ever struggle with debt. The second thing I'd love you to do is to please rate me five star on Apple Podcast. And if I don't yet deserve your five star, please send me a message and let me know how I can earn your five star rating. And finally, if you're just loving what you're hearing and the value I'm putting out there, look into the show notes and buy your girl a coffee. Thank you. Have a great day.